Oh, good morning. I'm glad to be here this morning to speak with you. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's going to be so good. Uh, my question for you this morning to start out is, have you ever been the odd man out? Has that ever happened to you that you have been the outsider? Uh, I had the opportunity. I, I enjoy coaching my kids' sports teams. I had the opportunity to coach, uh, be, be the assistant coach for my son's baseball team uh, several years. But in, the one I'm thinking about is a few years ago, I had the, the chance to coach with a great group of guys, some, some dads that um, were very, very skilled. And, and it was a great opportunity that we had. They were, uh, they were, they were great baseball coaches. They were, they were uh, known baseball minds. And uh, they... Uh, they had their head on straight, priorities straight, and, and it was a, it was a great time that we had coaching, and I was allowed to to help with that. But I had to chuckle uh, because uh, starting the season out, the head coach sent an email out to all the kids' parents, and it's it's the typical first of the year email that says something to the effect of "Don't yell at the umpires, uh, don't uh, you know, don't yell at your kid, they're they're eight, you know, that kind of thing, that kind of thing." Uh, and and then in there. Um, in there was this little statement that I laughed at. Now, these, these guys, um, still friends with today, made some great friends that year. Uh, it, it was a great time, and they were great to me. But I chuckled at this part of the email because it said this, Our coaches have 40 years of professional, professional playing experience and over 30 years of coaching experience, including a member of the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame and Longhorn Hall of Honor. And I laughed at that because uh, I represent nothing in that statement, <laughs> like none of it. Uh, I saw that and I wanted to send a reply all of it said, and I'll bring the snacks. I'll be the snack guy. Uh, I had nothing to offer, and not because of anything that they did or anything like that, simply because of my existence and my skill set. I was an outsider to kind of what was going on. I was the snack guy. I was the dugout guy. Um, and I, I can do that. But have you ever been an outsider? Or let me ask this way. Have you ever felt left out? Um, have you ever been picked last for the team? Don't raise your hand. We won't point and laugh. Uh, have you ever been an outsider to a conversation at like a social gathering? You're kind of the outsider. Have you, have you, ever, uh, have you ever missed on an inside joke? Like I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. Is that you? Is that any of you out there? Uh, let me let me show you uh, from from one of my favorite movies of all time. Let me show you someone who is an outsider and what somebody does to bring them to not be an outsider. Show that. Stand it. It's 
So Smalls was an outcast. He wasn't a part of the group. He didn't know how to play baseball. He couldn't throw. He couldn't catch. He couldn't do anything. Um, so he was alienated. He didn't fit in. But then Vinny, the guy with the bat, did something that only he could do, and it completely changed everything for Smalls. Um, Smalls was now received as a part of the group. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about the status of your spiritual heart. Your physical heart has two arteries, and if one of them gets clogged or damaged, then you are in danger. Your life is at risk. Well, your spiritual heart has three arteries, three things that your soul needs in order to thrive. That's the truth of God's Word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the soil of God's people. And if one of these arteries gets blocked or damaged, you are in a spiritual crisis. See, if you never feed yourself with the nourishment of God's Word, you're in danger of forgetting His promises and His commands. If you're cut off from the power of the Holy Spirit, you're denied the ability to fight sin, to walk in truth, to live God's best, to understand His will for your life. And likewise, if you're cut off from the soil of God's people, you are in danger. And that is the subject of what I want to talk about this morning. So if you've got a Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 is where we will pick up. Paul writes and he says, Therefore, remember... That at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for your light to shine on us and help us to hear your word, to receive it and to apply it in a way that makes us more like Jesus and helps us to be all that you have created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we look at this verse together, we look at this passage together, it begins with, with one idea. Therefore, remember. He says, remember. 
Uh, Paul is writing this letter to Ephesus called Ephesians. He's writing this letter to a church in Ephesus. And the people in this church are Gentiles. So Gentile means non-Jews. So Jewish people view the world um, kind of in two categories. There's Jews and there's non-Jews. They're called Gentiles. The Jews were God's chosen people. The Jews are Abraham's family. The one to whom all of the blessings were given. All of the promises of the Old Testament were given to Abraham and his family. And those promises were for them, the Jews. And Paul writes and says, remember, you were Gentiles. He says, remember what it was like. You were separate. You were cut off. In verse 12, he tells us you were cut off from three things. First, you were cut off from the people of God. Verse 12 says that you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were cut off from God's people, from God's chosen people. You were cut off from Abraham's family. And as a result, not only are you cut off from the people of God, The second thing, you are also separated from the promises of God. You're you're separated from the people of God, but you're also separated from the promise of God. The text says that they were strangers to the covenants of promise. So the inheritance and the blessing and the protection and safety promised to Israel, promised to Abraham's family, promised to the Jews, did not apply to those who were separated from the people of God. They were cut off from the promises of God. And third, the third thing they were separated from, the text tells us they were separated from the presence of God. They were separated from the presence of God. You can read it. It says that they had no hope and were without God. And you could read that God forsaken. They didn't have the smile of God. They didn't have his guiding, shepherding presence. They were without God, Paul says, remember, remember. And I think we would do well this morning for us to remember. What was it like before you had Christ? And for some of you, 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 were, you uh, were saved many, many years ago. And for you to remember uh, what it was like before you had Christ, or maybe you were a kid when, when you were saved, you can't really remember what it was like before you had Christ. I want you to imagine what it would be like if you didn't have him now. And by the way, there, there may be people in the room here this, this morning who, who do not have Christ now. And that is, in fact, the case. It's not an imagination. It is reality. And Paul says, remember, if you are separated from Christ, that means that you are separated from the presence of God. You don't have God's Spirit to bring wisdom or peace or to guide you or to make you into the person that God created you to be. You don't have His presence. You're also separated from the people of God. You don't have people who will pray for you. You don't have people who will rally around you to push you to be more like Jesus, to encourage you, to hold you accountable. You don't have that support system. And you're also separated from the promises of God. So like in Romans 8 when it says, all things work for your good. That promise is all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So if you are not in Christ, if you are separated from Christ, that promise is not for you. Likewise in Romans chapter 8, again, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you are separated from Christ, there is condemnation. 
Do you understand? If you are separated from Christ, you are separated from the people of God. You are separated from the promises of God. You are separated from the presence of God in your life. And that's what Paul is telling the Ephesians. And we would do well to to spend a moment thinking about what that would be like. What would your life be like without Christ? But as Ephesians 2 tells us, all praise to God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in verse 13 it says, You were once far off, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You you were once kept at arm's length, but not anymore. You've been brought near. And then down in verse 19 it says, You are no longer strangers and aliens. Strangers and aliens. Those Two words basically mean the same thing. They're interchangeable. The idea is that you are an outsider. He says you are no longer an outsider to the things of God and to the people of God and to the presence of God. You are no longer an outsider because of what Christ has done. You are no longer separated. And then what Paul does in Ephesians 2 is he uses three metaphors to describe what Christ has done in you. The first metaphor that he uses He says that you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are fellow citizens with the saints. The citizens of the kingdom of God. Citizens of the kingdom of God. All the rights and privileges of being a citizen of the kingdom of God belong to you. If if you are a citizen of the United States, there are certain things, certain rights and privileges, uh, certain freedoms and protections that belong to you because you are a citizen of the United States of America. And the same applies, he says, you are now fellow citizens of the kingdom. And so there are rights and privileges and promises and protections and safeties that belong to you because you are citizens. But he doesn't just say that you're citizens. It says that you're fellow citizens. You aren't the only one. There are others. The second metaphor that he uses, he also says that you are members of the household of God. Your family. You're a part of a household. You've been adopted into a new family. And there's a father. We, we love that part. But what we don't ever pay attention to is there's a father in this family, but there's also brothers and sisters. You've been brought into a family in the Roman world, this household language, to be a member of a household meant refuge, protection, identity, And the security that comes with a sense of belonging. You're a part of something. You're a family with a father and brothers and sisters. You're members of the household of God. And the third metaphor that Paul uses, he says that you're bricks in the temple of God. Um, bricks in God's house. This, this, uh, this made sense to Paul in his mind. He kind of skips from, from, uh, from the household language to the temple language because the Greek word for house is the same Greek word for temple. It's the same word. So he says you're, you're members of God's household. And let me give you another example. You're bricks in God's house. Each one of you is a brick on top of other bricks next to other bricks. All put together, all sealed together, forming God's house. Sometimes when you come to church, people up up here say, well, welcome to God's house. The walls of this building are not God's house. We together collectively are God's house. 
Elsewhere, Paul says you individually are a temple of God. You individually are God's house. But here, that's not what he's saying. He's saying here, all together, collectively, we are God's house. We are the thing that God is building. And in us, he inhabits us together. All connected. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. With Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. He's the one who sets the pace for us. He's the one who structures us and points us in the right direction. You are fellow citizens. You are family members. You are bricks in God's house. That's what Christ has won for us. But look, life is crazy. Right? Life is crazy. Helen and I have three kids. And between work and school and activities and sports, life is crazy and busy and fun. So we don't take enough opportunity to do this, but sometimes what we'll do is we'll take the kids to the grandparents' house for the weekend. We may, uh, we may drive them down to my parents or in Kyle and Helen's parents are in Buda. We may drive them down there and, and, and leave them there for a weekend so we can have some one-on-one time to connect. And we may, we may do that every now and again. So for example, what, what often happens is we will take them down and, and we would meet my parents halfway on the toll road to skip Austin, meet them halfway and drop off the, uh, the kids and they would take them back to their house. We would go back to our house and then we would say, what are we going to do tonight? Let's have some dinner and let's watch some TV. And then we think, wait a minute. We do that every night. We eat dinner and we watch TV. Let's do something else. We don't have any kids. Let's go do something. We have no responsibilities, nothing to worry about. Let's go, let, let's go out to eat. Let's go to a movie. Let's go wander around downtown. Let's do something fun because, uh, we, we don't have any responsibilities. Nobody to put in bed. Nobody to, uh, so we'll, we'll still like tiptoe up the stairs so we don't wake up the person sleeping in that room right there. Even though they're not there, we forget that we've got a kid free weekend and we don't take advantage of it. Similarly, a friend of mine just adopted a kid from overseas and overseas orphanage. And he told me something. He told me about something called the orphan mentality. So what happens is kids are adopted from orphanages and they're brought into new homes, but they still exhibit behaviors that they picked up in these orphanages. Let me give you two examples. One. Um, in some of these orphanages overseas, there's not always enough food. And so what these kids will do is they will, um, they will eat as much as they can when there's a meal. And then what they'll do is they'll take that food and they'll store it in their cheeks. Because they're not sure if there's another meal coming later. And so they'll store the food in their cheeks so they'll be sure to have something to eat later. Well, what happens is they get adopted by loving families who provide for them, and there's always going to be at least three meals a day, and they're going to provide for them. Well, they, they come into this family, but they're still storing food in their cheeks. Subconsciously, they don't really believe that there's going to be food later. And so these parents have to do things like leave a bowl of fruit on the table so there's always food that they can see and they can know there's always something to eat. You don't have to hide food. Another example of this orphan mentality is uh, when these kids are in the orphanages, they're reminded by their leaders that when prospective parents come, you need to be on your best behavior. If you're bad, they're not going to want to adopt you, so make sure that you're behaving yourself. And, and so they'll, they'll do that, and then they'll get adopted, and they'll be brought into this loving home with their adoptive parents, and it's this new relationship, and it's great. But what happens, because they're kids, they'll inevitably get in trouble for something. And the way they respond is they are absolutely decimated. They will wilt. 
Because subconsciously, they have an orphan mentality. If I act up, they're going to make me go back. If I act up, they don't want me anymore. They have an orphan mentality. They have forgotten that they have been adopted. And everything is different now. So just like Helen and I forget that we have a kid-free house on a weekend sometimes, and just like these kids forget that they've been adopted, I think that here at Central we are living in a situation where we have forgotten what Christ has done. You see, something is wrong here at Central. And this morning we're going to diagnose it together because I so badly want us together to receive all that God has for us. You have three arteries to your spiritual heart. And as we have researched and we've studied and we've, we've, had, uh, we've talked with people and the pastors have talked with one another, it's our understanding that one of these three spiritual arteries is damaged. Now, this morning I'm going to speak in general terms. What I'm about to say may not be true of every single individual here. But as we research 2018, our research shows that what I'm about to say is true of half the people in the room. I believe that over half the people in the room are in danger. And if a part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. So overall... We do not do a good job of connecting in biblical community as a church. The artery, the the soil of God's people is damaged. And I believe our body is suffering. Here's what I mean. God, God has designed us in such a way that we are not meant to live our lives alone. One of the first things that God says about man is it is not good for man to be alone. And so God gives Adam Eve. And then we, we read the rest that we begin to read through the scriptures and we see in the wisdom literature that, that God has designed us in such a way that we need other people to sharpen us, to push us, to hold us accountable, to make us, help us be more like Jesus, to be all that God has called us to be, people who are centered around God's word, people who are living and breathing in prayer for one another. This is what is called biblical community. And that is God's design for us, biblical community close-knit relationships with other Christians. And our, our research tells us that over half the adults at Central aren't doing this. You're serving. And you, you've, got, you've got to serve. That's so good for your heart to serve. You've got to find a place where you can use your gifting and find a place to plug in and be that brick in the wall. You, you've got to do that. You're serving, you're attending worship, you're here. But you don't have biblical community. For a bunch of different reasons that are all valid and they're all important. I'm not going to minimize the challenges I see living life in Round Rock in 2019. Knowing enough of you, I I know some of these challenges. And I'd like to address them. Number one. A challenge I see in plugging into biblical community at Central, number one, is there's a challenge of fitting in. This is a well-established church. We've been here for a while. And there are people who have been here at this church for a long time. And, these, and we've done a great job of creating these 
intimate relationships and biblical community so good that it's hard for new people to come in and be a part. And so then that becomes an excuse. A new person comes in and they say, I, I can't get into this new group. It takes a special personality for somebody to break into something that's so close. And I, I don't fit in, so I'll just give up and stop trying. And it's an excuse on the other side of the group saying, well, they're welcome to come if they want. If they don't want to come, I can't make them. Just, just a little tip. If the outside person doesn't feel welcome, then you haven't welcomed them. You don't get to define the welcoming they do. Um, challenge number one, fitting in. Challenge number two is busyness. Every slot on our calendar is full. I know. I know of you. I know enough of you to know that. We, we have no time for anything else between work and kids and homework and sports and traveling to see grandkids. We don't have time for other things. We don't have time for community. You're like that fighter jet in the 1950s that shot itself down. He fired his guns, hit the afterburners, and then ran into his own fire. He was traveling so fast that it led to catastrophic damage. And I wonder how many of us in that room, that described, that we're moving at such a fast rate of speed that we're headed for a catastrophe in our own lives, mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally. The third challenge to biblical community at Central is wounding. And I know in this room there are some people who have been wounded by the church before. Maybe you've been wounded by this church before. And your pain is real. Your pain is legitimate. And the last thing you want to do is open yourself up again to others who can wound you all over again. And so you don't want to risk it. And you don't have that kind of community. And so we don't do it. We don't. We don't, we can't find a good fit, so we just give up. We're so busy that the world gives us so many things to be a part of, so many things to do, and, and many of them are great, important things that you should be doing. But we just don't see how we can give more time to our spiritual formation. Or, or we're, we're hurt and we can't open ourselves up again to something like that. And so we miss out. A last challenge that I see is those of you that would say, I, I already have community. I already have community. I have my tribe. I have my friends. And as I've kind of anecdotally talked to people about this over the last couple of months, one of the things I've heard from a lot of people is, I have community. I don't need more of that. And, and my response to that is, that's great news. I'm, I don't want to give you extra things to do. You, you don't need extra things. But my only pushback would be this. What kind of community do you already have? Is your community the soil of God's people? How, how many of us are connecting in regular bib, biblical community? Well, a community like this. A community that encourages one another to walk out their faith with increasing conviction. A community of believers that hold each other accountable. A community that dives into the Word together and spends time learning the Scriptures and how they apply to our lives as we live them out together. A community that prays for each other regularly. And not just your basic prayers of blessing, but over real and honest struggles and difficulties. 
A community that bears one another's burdens. A community that pushes each other to take next steps to be more like Jesus and to be more of who God has called us to be. Is that what you mean when you say, I already have community? And so I I see your challenges. And I understand why you're not in biblical community. And I know that, that many of you are thinking right now, I just can't afford to add something else. And this is a sermon of pushback, so I'm going to push you back and I'm going to say this. I'm not sure you can afford to miss out on biblical community. See, some of you are struggling right now. You're not exactly sure why. Like you're fighting sin or your marriage is on the rocks or uh, your, your circumstances are threatening to undo you. You're fighting addiction. And you don't know what to do. And I, I want to say this very carefully. I want you, I'm choosing my words carefully and particularly. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Maybe what you need is in another Bible study. Bible studies are good and it can't hurt you to study the Bible more. But maybe that's not what you're missing. Maybe what you need isn't more prayer. Although you should pray without ceasing and more prayer can't hurt you, but maybe that's not what you're missing. Maybe what you need is is not another self-help book. Though you should read, that's a good habit to have, and maybe you could learn something. But maybe that's not what you're missing. Maybe what you're missing in your life isn't any of those things. Maybe what you're missing in your life is the soil of God's people. Maybe you'll never be all that God designed you to be until you give yourself to others in a way that you know them and they know you. And this morning I'm urging you, plant yourself in the soil of God's people. You don't need more self-help books. You need God's people to rally around you. You need others to bear your burden. You need to give yourself away and help others bear their burdens. You need accountability. You need God's people. And so Christ's death has given us the ability to draw near to God. And listen to me, if you draw near to God, you will inevitably draw near to God's people. Fellow citizens, family members. Bricks together. But the flip side is, if if you aren't drawing near to God's people, you're not drawing near to God. Derek and Katie Kitsky are longtime members of Central, and they have faithfully served the youth group for um, for years at the 9:45 hour. Because they're serving at the 9:45 hour, they have no opportunity to connect. In ABF, our 945 Sunday school hour, and they didn't know that they needed community until they had it. And so, check their story out. Tell me a little bit about what uh, what your group should look like. Now, when y'all get together, what does what that look like? Okay, God. Yeah. <laughs>
found out that I needed to be done, and our whole group was able to deliver countless meals and um, make arrangements on calls that were very much needed, and basically took care of my family when I couldn't. Very humbling time uh, where uh, we're both very driven people. To have a group of people come around you in, uh, in somewhat of a scary time, not knowing what this means for the future or what, um, and what this looks like long term. Uh, having the people to just uh, bond around you and really uh, cover you first uh, and meet physical needs, they were accepting uh, when, we, when we needed them. Uh, today is also Derek's birthday. <laughs> Where'd he go? There he is. Hey, Derek. Happy birthday, man. Y'all tell him happy birthday later. Um, and that, those are the kinds of things that, that we need. And so here, here's what we're going to do now. Uh, we're, we're going to launch a new ministry called Central Groups. Central Groups is the, the big title. Underneath Central Groups, we have ABF. Some of you are wondering what, I, what I'm talking about when I say ABF. Um, that's short for Adult Bible Fellowships, and some of you are still wondering, what is Adult Bible Fellowships? And so then I say Sunday School, and that helps most of you understand. And then some of you are still like, man, I still don't know. I thought Sunday School was for kids. And then I just tell you, it's like groups on Sunday morning at 945. Okay, so we still have ABF. Nothing is changing with ABF. Some of you are wondering, oh, no, what's happening Nothing is changing there, okay? That, that structure is staying the same. What we're doing is we're adding another piece. We're going to add what we're going to call midweek groups. That's a terrible name for it because midweek kind of, in my mind, makes me think Wednesday night. Um, midweek means um, not Sunday morning. So Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. You get the picture. Not Sunday morning groups. We're going to have midweek groups. Um, call, some of you are already in something like this. You call it a home group or a small group or a community group or a group. Just call it whatever you want. I don't care. From our, from our perspective, we're just going to call those midweek groups. And we're going to create opportunities for you to be a part of a group. So, so I think what I'm going to do is I want to answer some of your challenges. The challenges we talked about earlier, I want to answer some of those. Number one, you said it's hard to break in. And so here's, here's my response. We're going to start some new ones. We're going to start some new ABFs. You want to connect on 945 at 945 on Sundays and you haven't found the opportunity yet. We're going to create some new ones for you and give you the chance to do that. We're also going to create new midweek groups, home groups, small groups, whatever you want to call them. We're going to create them and, and they're going to look different. They're going to be different. If you've got a bunch of kids, it's going to look different from a, a bunch of you who are empty nesters. 
It's going to look different. Some of you, your home group may be somewhere else. You may have it at a restaurant. You may have it at the ball field. You may do it that way. But we're going to have, we're going to have opportunities. We're going to start some new midweek groups. We're going to give you opportunities to break in and be a part of what God's doing. And so here's what that means. We are on the hunt for leadership. We are on the hunt for people who want to be leaders. Some of you are teachers. And, and you've been sitting in a, in a class or a group, and you know you can teach. And I wonder if even now you're starting to feel the nudge of it's time for me to step out and, and use my gifting. But, but we're not only looking for teachers. We're on the hunt for leaders, gatherers, people who can organize, people who can at least facilitate a discussion. You don't have to know everything about the Bible. Can you ask good questions? Um, we're, we're looking for leaders, and so um, we're on the hunt. And I wonder if God is starting to nudge anyone right now. The 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 other challenge that we have an answer for, I believe, my, my response, and once again, my little pushback, you say, I'm too busy, and here I, here I am, I'm gently pushing back. Um, it, I'm not so sure that it's time, I think that it's taste. I think that you have the time for it, you're choosing to do other things in that time that you have. And I'm, I'm not judging and saying that that's bad. Because many of the things that you're involved in are good things that you absolutely should be doing, and they're very important. I'm not, t- I'm not telling you to throw your whole calendar out the window, and we're not, I'm not going to sit down with you and start judging your calendar. That's not what I mean. What I mean is you haven't got a taste of biblical community yet. Because if you knew what we were trying to create, there would be some things that you would probably get rid of or you would make space for what I'm talking about. See, at church, um, and really just in general in society, we ask people to do things that are life-draining, like life-taking things. Now, you see it uh, at, the, at the basketball court. My son just finished his basketball season. You see it all the time. The coach looks up in the stands and says, I need somebody to run the scoreboard. And you look at the parents' faces, and uh, this is what most of them are doing. First of all, don't make eye contact. You know what? I, I got to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to slide out real quick while I pick somebody to run the scoreboard. They don't want And then there's always the one that's like, I'll do it. But the look on their face is, I'll do it because I have to. It's an obligation. Uh, this, is, this is not like um, life-giving to me to run the scoreboard and get yelled at by people. That's not what I, what I really want to do, um, but I'll do it because it's an obligation. And we ask people to do things like that all the time. That's not what this is. What if we created not another thing, uh, not another thing to attend or a place to be, But what if we created a people to whom you belong? I'm not talking about another event. I'm not even asking you to come spend more time at this church facility. I'm asking you to be a part of a people who are pushing each other to be more like Jesus. What if we created something life-giving and not life-draining? I think you'd make space for it. And the third challenge was wounding. If If you've been wounded, please... Please hear my words. Don't let what someone did to you in the past steal from you today. God wants so much more for you than to live in that hurt. So I'm asking you to be bold. I'm asking you to give it a chance. I'm asking you to try something new and let us help you. So here's how we're going to respond this morning. When you came in, you received the bulletin. On the back of that bulletin, there is a, a uh, questionnaire. Um, one, one per family is okay. But you, there's a questionnaire on that bulletin, 
It's also online, centralrr.com slash groups. And what I'm going to ask is I'm going to ask everybody to fill it up, to fill it out. And the band's going to come forward. And before you start filling it out, I want you to look at me. Don't fill it out yet. I want to explain it to you before you start filling it out. Name, email, phone number so I can follow up if I need to. But then you have boxes. I want you to check all that apply. The first one on there is, I am in a group right now and I'm happy. Um, Check that box and tell me the name of your group. What I want to do with that information is I just want to celebrate. I already looked through the first service. I just want to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of people. That there are many of you who are connected in. And I want to celebrate that with you. So give me the name of your group. Um, It would be helpful if you gave me something that I would be able to identify. Some of you are in home groups that I don't know about. Give me the names of the people that are in that home group so I can kind of put two and two together and figure out what you're doing. But give me some information, okay? Um, The the next box there is I I would like to learn about being in um, a 945 ABF. If if 945 Sunday morning works for you and you want to help find a group... um, Indicate that on your card, and I will, I will tell you the ones we have now, and then I'll tell you about the ones that we're starting to form, some new ones to be a part of. But if that's something, a place, 945, you'd like to try to connect, check that box. Another one you might be interested in checking is the midweek. If you're like, 945 doesn't work, or I like 945, but I also want a midweek group, check that box and let me know. I'm interested in finding out. I want to help you get connected. Uh, I want to help you with that. Another box that you might check is, I want to learn about being a leader. Okay, check that box if you, if you are interested. This is not a commitment. You're not signing up to do anything. All you're doing is you're telling me, I'd like more information. And I'm going to take that card and I'll reach out to you and I'll get you the more information. And notice I said leader, not teacher. I'm looking for, if you teach, that's great. And we want you. But we're also looking for leaders, gatherers organizers, facilitators. If, if that's you, if that's you, let me know about it, that you're interested. And the last one on there, and I'm serious, I'm not joking about this. The last one on there says, I'm not interested in being in a group. And if that's true for you, I want you to, I want you to check it. Not so that I can follow up and call you and ask you why and beg and plead. I'm not going to do any, I don't have time to beg you. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I just want to know who we've got out there. Um, if you would be bold and courageous to do that, that would help me. Um, so, so don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame. Just let me, it may just be your life circumstances right now. Just check it. Just check it and, and communicate that information. But here, here's how we're going to close out. Before you do any of that, I want you to pause and pray. You might pray with your, your family. You might pray on your own. I want you to pause and pray. And I want you to talk to the Lord about the idea of connecting in groups. Hand him your busyness. Look at my calendar, Lord. I don't see it. Hand him your wounding. I don't think I can open myself up again. Hand that to him. I'm an introvert. I can't fit into new groups. Trust me, I know. I'm an introvert. Trust me, I know. Hand it to the Lord. Because you need it. Take some time to pray. You're going to fill that out. When you leave the service, there's a red bucket at the back. Just drop, drop it in the bucket. That's all you got to do. And after you've had a moment to pray and fill that out, the band's going to lead us in one song. But listen, 
You were once separated from the people of God, but not anymore. You were once separated from the promises of God, but not anymore. And you were once separated from the presence of God, but not anymore. You are fellow citizens. You are family members. You are bricks in God's house. It's time for us to live like it. And so spend some time in prayer. Do it now. Thank you.